Do you want to know the best communication techniques to make sure that your message is not just heard, but well-received and makes an impact? We're breaking down those best techniques today with our master NLP practitioner, Amber Furman, right here, right now. It's On Air Brands. What is up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the On Air Brand Show. I am Todd Genitasio, along with my co-host, Amber Furman. And Amber, I have to say, sometimes I say your name quickly, and I so it sounds like Furman when I listen back to the episodes, but I, I promise you I am saying Furman. It's just I, I say it quickly sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, when you say it quickly, you pronounce it right. You take oh, out all the okay. extra letters. Oh, so, so the, I, yeah. the I is, is silent. The, right, the good, I good is um, unnecessary, but right. I guess... Half Color the letters in my and, name and are entertainment. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I I don't even try anymore. So today's episode, we're going to be doing a lot of awesome uh, practical value stuff, breaking down some of the top communication techniques for uh, our listeners, so that when they're planning out their shows, planning out their content, they're actually going to be creating content in a way that's going to be well received and make an impact. But before we get into those techniques. Uh, a quick story I want to talk about. So two episodes ago, episode number five, I believe, on airbrands.com slash show, we talked about uh, the importance of your why and the why uh, of a purpose and the two different kinds where there needs to be your own personal why as a purpose that keeps you driven. But then publicly, you need a why that is what connects with your audience to keep them driven. And a great example of this, one, an old parable, and I, I will butcher it if I give it, but have you ever heard the story of the three guys um, stacking bricks for a building? I don't know that I have. Okay, so take this with a grain of salt because I don't remember it word for word, but uh, three guys laying bricks, and the first guy was approached and said, what do you, you know, what do you got going on here? What are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm, you know, I work for a construction company. I'm stacking bricks, you know, nine to five. Okay, cool. Goes to the next guy, says, you know, hey, what uh, what do you got going on here? And he goes, oh, uh, you know, we're, we're building a church. It's like, oh, that's cool, building a church. And then he says to the third guy, hey, you know, what are you building here? And he says, oh, we're building an amazing community center where everyone from this town uh, and community are going to be able to gather every week and connect with each other and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it's like, all three of those guys have the same job, but which one is showing up feeling more fulfilled and passionate and excited and happy, right? And yeah. it's really because the why and the purpose of what they were building versus just showing up and, and doing the work. And a real life example of this is, I, I've been raving about these guys for the last two months, but I, I recently hired an accounting firm, outsource CFO at Clever Profits. And Adam Rundle is the founder there. And working with him, when you think about like working with, an accounting firm, it's like, or working through your numbers, like that sounds like the most boring, like eye bleeding type of thing that we as entrepreneurs needs to do. Like I've literally put it off for 10 years. My business will be 10 <laughs> years in June. I've literally put it off for 10 years because like, it just sounds like such a pain and like boring and not something I want to deal with. But the way that they approach their business services. So the why that has connected them with me as their client is that they 
do the they do their, they provide their services with the numbers accounting CFO to help entrepreneurs build profitable businesses and and build their personal wealth. And so that why connects with me. And now I'm excited, I'm legit like excited when we have our strategy calls together and we go through and they're showing me the numbers and we're like going through spreadsheets. Like I feel excited and passionate about it because they've connected to the why of what I'm trying to do. What's funny is we talked about the the, the difference between internal and, and external whys. Their internal why, Adam started the company because he wanted to own his own business so he could have more free time and be a rugby coach. So his why internally, his purpose is freedom and time flexibility so he can be a rugby coach. He doesn't go out and put out in his marketing here, you know, people don't buy what you buy. You know, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Well, I didn't buy Clever Profits because Adam wants free time to be a rugby coach, right? So that's the misconception about the why <laughs> that said, we got into. What is wrong with you? You, you know, don't you care that he wants to be a rugby coach? <laughs> but I care, and I'm like the purpose and the why of like building profitable businesses so that we can all become wealthy and have a greater impact. Boom, that connects to me. So that was a great story I thought of since our episode number five on that um, when we were talking about the power of why and and how to use different types of whys um, that that hit me uh hit me in the face as an example i wanted to bring up for everybody so if you want to hear us dive more into that that was uh, a couple episodes ago go to onairbrands.com slash show to catch up on on the importance of why but amber let's talk about um what we're going through today is uh you know these different nlp techniques that help us improve our communication so at a high level like not individually the each technique but why is this kind of thing so important to understand different communication techniques like this well, it's extremely important. And I'm going to actually use your um, story and example that you Great. used in the beginning, because I think that whether you realized it or not, if it was intentional, it's amazing. If it wasn't intentional, we're going to say it was intentional. Well, then it, was, it was intentional. Um, <laughs> is you didn't see the value of or purpose in having the product and service that was being provided by your accountant until they were able to reframe that for you. And now yeah. you are excited to have these conversations that before you weren't excited to yeah. have before you were like, this is awful. Yeah. I'll take it one step further. I did understand the value of it, but I never took action on it because I dreaded the idea of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, these techniques are so important. And we, we talked about this before. I'm going to say it again, because you will find, I sound like a broken record. Your intention is extremely important in this, right? Once you learn how to do these things, which you will not learn. And I feel like ethically, I have to say this as well, me ethically, not some board yeah. ethically. Um, you will not learn how to do them by listening to a podcast. So like, don't think I know enough because you know, just enough to get yourself and other people in trouble. Um, so the reality is, though, when you know how to do these things, you know how to help people understand the value of your message. And if your message is not a win-win-win for everybody that's involved, then you're manipulating the people around you. And so that's the number one thing that goes into everything that we do is we have the ability with our words to influence the way that people see our message, to influ influence the value they see in it, and to be able to help them understand why they should be taking action and why the pain that has caused them to not take action shouldn't stand in their way. 
Yeah. And when you like, I, I think I said this to somebody yesterday, not to sound like Spider-Man, but with great power yeah. comes great responsibility. Right. Yeah. So, so remember that. Um, but, but I think anybody who's listening, you can think back to a time where somebody tried to tell you, Hey, this is important. You should do it. This is important. You should do it. And you're like, this is not important. Or I know it's important, but I don't want to do it. Right. Yeah. And then somebody says something to you in a different way. You're like, why didn't they all just say that in the first place? <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. It's like the story I tell about, you know, getting my daughter in the bath when she was like two and a half years old. She hated, she, she quote unquote hated being in the bath, would fight about going into it. But then when I said, do you want to go play with your friends in the tub that, you know, her friends being all her little tub toys, she like turns around, rip, you know, rips her clothes off, jumps in the tub because she wanted to get in the bathtub and play with her toys. So, you know, it's just a matter of how you communicate something, how you frame it. And, you know, framing is going to be one of these techniques uh, that we talk about. Um, in, in how to get people excited and interested in what it is that you're presenting them. So let's, let's start off at the top. I don't think that this was uh, alphabetical, but the first one that we have on the list is anchoring. So just conceptually, you know, what is, what is anchoring as a communication technique? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, first of all, if you've ever watched a movie, and you've had an emotional reaction. You have a whole movie? No, if you've ever watched a movie and had an emotional reaction or listened to a song and had an emotional reaction because of whatever was going on in your life at that point in time, then you related to that movie or that song. And then think two, three years later, when you watch that movie, you think back to what was going on in your life when you watched that movie or when you listened to that song. That movie or that song has become an anchor for you. It's a stimulus that brings back or or creates an emotional state in you. And this can be done through, you know, physical touch, which we do in our NLP classes. We create what's called a resource anchor to fill you with um all of the positive emotions that you would want to be filled with before an important meeting. So you kind of create that lifetime easy button mm -hmm. um, through intentional anchoring physically. Um, it can also be done verbally. And if anybody has ever been to a personal development conference and you have watched people make certain hand movements while saying certain words, they're not Italian, just talking with their the hands, <laughs> right? Um, I used to think that those people were just talking with their hands. And so I would go take speaking classes, right? And they would say, you know, don't talk with your hands, make sure that you're staying still. And I'm like, but what are all of these people doing? Mm -hmm. Well, those who know what they're doing well are setting anchors for the message that they want you to receive mm -hmm. with the movements that they're doing on stage. Interesting. Have you ever seen the show, The League? I have not. It, right, sound, so it sounds I, interesting. I don't think it's on anymore, but it was it was just a comedy on FX years like 10 years ago about a group of guys that were in a fantasy football league together and all their hijinks. Right. But one of the episodes was um, one of the guys had a clicky pen. Right. And it, the, the underlying theme turned out at the end that he had for years been anchoring the sound of click, 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 click to yes. one of his friends. So he was intentionally like asking him simple things that he knew he would say yes to. And then he was clicking the pen. And then eventually he led up and was like, led up to making a trade in the fantasy football league. And he, and he was clicking his pen and the guy was agreeing to all these crazy trades. And so it was like anchoring, you know, these little micro commitments to some, to a sound 
and then building up to like you know obviously that was very manipulative of him but that, that that's the point of the show is they're all yeah I mean, and, and for all our science nerds out there that are saying, what's TV? Um, <laughs> think, um, think back to what we all learned about the way that Pavlov trained his dogs, right? Yeah. If you have a dog out there, you are anchoring certain stimulus in your yeah. dogs. So, you know, you feed them, they salivate. You mm-hmm. tell them that if they sit, they get a treat, then they sit because they think they're getting a treat. Like you're anchoring those words or those actions in them. So it's really interesting when I got my puppy, after I got my trainer certification in NLP and I got my puppy, I was like, really all I'm doing in training a dog is NLPing my dog. (laughs) Like that's all it is. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. So think of the power of this though, the power of being able to create an emotional response in someone, to create a sense of urgency, a sense of excitement, a sense of um, desire to act on your product Mm -hmm. because of a way that it will benefit them. Yeah. And being able to do that, or maybe you don't want them to act on a product. Maybe you want them to act on themselves, right? You have right. a podcast that is about doing something that is going to be better for them in the long run. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to help them understand the power of these actions. Yeah. Imagine being able to tie those actions to an emotional response that they want to feel. You yeah. know, that's that's what anchoring is. And we can do this in um our solo episodes. We can do this with guests. We can do this to create the best possible podcast interview out there because that's all podcasting is, right? Is words that we want to create an emotional response that mm-hmm. that um, moves a person through yeah. action. And a great tip, and I, I got this from Jordan Belfort, and of course I haven't taken action on it yet, but he talks about it a lot, anchoring your own personal state to be mm-hmm. successful. And he talks about it when it comes to like getting going into sales meetings or sales calls. But think about if you do this before your podcast episodes, I, I did actually used to, I used to do this more intentionally sit down and do like a three to five minute breathing and meditation intention setting before the shows that I want to have, this is going to be a great episode. The guest and I are going to create great value that our audience is going to love, right? And then get into it. But what Jordan talks about is that scent is like the most direct connection to your brain. And so when you are in a situation where you just want something big or you're really just like high vibe and feeling great and you're feeling successful, smell something. I forget. Mm -hmm. He had like some kind of product, right? Like it was just like a scent, like a nasal spray scent thing. But if you, and then you anchor that feeling successful with that scent, And then every time you go into like it before you create a podcast, before you go into a sales meeting, before you do a presentation, whatever, like if you, if you smell that scent, it gets you back into that state of high vibe, abundance, successful happiness, feeling good. And then you have that positive energy going into the situation and you've anchored that emotion to the scent so that you can trigger it more, you know, quickly and intentionally. I think that's super cool. Yeah, absolutely. And songs are the same way. You know, when Mm -hmm. I do my trainings, we um, have a different anchor song for each training. And that anchor song means like when this song plays, by the time it's done, you need to be sitting, you need to be ready to learn, you need to be in this mindset of soaking in information. And, you know, you get so inspired by this song that there are times even now that I hear a song and I start looking around to see where I'm supposed to be sitting, right? (laughs) Because that's the first thing you think, oh, I heard this song. Now I need to be in this state of mind. So you can absolutely do it with smells. You can do it with sounds. And and think about the sounds, the the song stuff as 
the music that you play as your intro and outro of your yep. shows or your videos, right? Like, and think about like anchoring the sound to then a behavior. So if, if you're able to think of language where the intro song plays and then right away you're saying like, Hey guys, welcome, tune in. And, and you give them a little micro action that they will 99% of the time take action on, right? If you, if you do that and, and you anchor it to that initial song intro, and then that same music is what plays on the outro. And then at the end you say, if you like this episode, if you like this video, we'd love for you to share it with someone. And then you play it to that music again. If you've, you know, this is a very light and subtle example, who knows how effective it would be, but following that model of that song played, you requested them to take an action in the beginning and they did because it was easy. And then at the end, you asked for a little bit more of an action, but anchored to that same sound. Yeah. Or even sound effects. Like, I don't think I've yeah. ever heard a podcast that is as good at sound effects than the biz bros. They are <laughs> fantastic at what they do. Anybody in the Podmax community knows who they are. If yeah, you don't, they're like the you should be in the Podmax community. Of, uh, of, of podcasts. Yeah. But imagine how amazing it would be to have a sound effect mm -hmm. that when you say something, you push that sound effect yeah. And yeah. then you're able to recreate that. Um, it's so important in being able to get the message that you want across because we know it's important or else we wouldn't be saying it. Yeah. Um, I think even, I, I was going to say that nobody just likes to hear themselves talk, but I think we've proven that's not true. <laughs> um, but even people who like to hear themselves talk think that what they're saying is important and right. their job is to communicate to you that it's important as well. Yeah. in your language. Yeah. So we've been talking about this anchoring, like anchoring your state, anchoring your, your audience's state, but there's also something called price anchoring. Is that, is that similar or is that just a coincidence that those are the two same, same two words used for that? It's um, similar and different at the same time. I, so I'm almost you thinking are, that price, price anchoring almost feels like a preframe to me. You are anchoring an emotional response to a high price. Mm. So that when you say a low price, you don't get that same emotional response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it is very similar and also incorporates a bunch of other techniques. But how many times anybody out there who's done any type of sales or has bought anything, you have the price that it actually is yeah. the price that they're MSRP asking for or full yes. total value blah, yes blah, blah. or you got the slash through it right, right yeah. like this is what it is and it's never actually that price yeah but they're anchoring that price as you know this is what it's worth this is the value of it now let me tell you where it is and it in no way sounds as stomach dropping because yeah. you just found out you're not paying this. Right, right. And it kind of sets the ex expectation. And I've heard people also like, even if the numbers are completely unrelated, where like, if you were to start a meeting and say like, oh man, did you see that uh, Alex Rodriguez just bought the Timberwolves for $2.3 billion? Like, oh man, it's crazy. These sports guys make so much money, so much money, blah, blah, blah. And then you get into, you know, talking about their like their insurance plan for next year and then you sell them their insurance plan. But just the fact that you talked about two point three billion dollars mm -hmm. in the beginning that anchored their pricing to be high as yep. opposed to, you know, coming in and saying like, oh, I just got the cheapest coffee on the corner and it was awesome. You know, have you guys ever had that place? They got great deals. Well, now you've just unintentionally subconsciously anchored the entire meeting around being cheap and low priced. Yeah, absolutely. And don't ask me the science behind this because I don't know. Um, but for some reason, the numbers three, five, and seven sell better. There's yeah. something about those numbers that have been anchored into basically all of humanity. And yeah. so it like the more three, fives, and sevens you can put in your pricing structure, the more likely it is somebody is going to 
move through your process, which is odd to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, in our list, we have sleight of mouth next, but we are talking a little bit about framing and pre-framing. So let's go into pre-framing and then we'll do sleight of mouth. So what is, what is pre-framing? Yeah. Pre-framing is basically setting a context. So I have this conversation with my friends all the time. I don't know if you guys can relate where they are having a conversation and they think that you are having the same conversation as them <laughs> and you have no idea what they're talking about. And I'll normally get my, let my friends go about 20 to 30 seconds into this conversation of me having no idea what's going on before I just stop them and say, Hey, context, like yeah. <laughs> I need context because we jump around so much, right? You have yeah. these conversations and you're talking about one thing and then you're talking about another thing and you assume that the person you're talking to has moved on with you. Yeah. And that's not always a safe assumption. So yeah. pre-framing to be able to provide context to a situation, framing something so you can um, control the dynamic of the conversation, um, framing parameters of where you want a conversation to go, almost boundaries. Think of how amazing it would be if you were in a leadership position, which every single person who runs a podcast is in a leadership position. If you could control the dynamics of a conversation, if you could help prevent your guests from going off topic. Mm -hmm. If you could make sure that you stayed within the boundaries of what your podcast is about and what's valuable to your audience. And you can do that by pre-framing because then you get your guest or your audience to focus on what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Very true. It's like, you know, in, in the big Lebowski, when, when Donnie comes into the middle of a conversation and, uh, and John Goodman's character just starts yelling, he's like, it's like, you're a child who wanders into the middle <laughs> of a movie and starts asking about the whole movie. Right. It's like, yes. don't treat your people like that. Make sure they understand like what it is that you're talking about and set the context so that they, they have an understanding. I also heard a, a super interesting study, um, where, again, like unrelated things. This is how like our subconscious mind works. We're like, we think things are unrelated, but they're all, they're all interconnected, whether we realize it or not, where they did this study of, uh, people with hot and cold coffee. And the, the person doing the study would stood on the corner, uh, had someone stand on the corner with a hot cup of coffee and go to need to get something out of their purse. So they'd go up to someone and say, can you hold, can you just hold my coffee real quick? I need to get the person would hold a hot cup of coffee. Person gets something out of the purse. Oh, thanks so much. See you later. That person leaves. Two minutes later, a, a different person walks up and asks this the random person who just held the hot coffee says, "Hey, can you you know can you help me get directions to something or other or whatever the question was?" They did the same thing where it was iced coffee, and the people who held the hot coffee were much kinder and helped more than the people who held the iced coffee because it was cold. And it's like, you're setting people up to be warm versus cold. It's wild. Like, why does that happen? Yeah. But it's so true. And like these different type of free preframes. And we can always, we can all uh, see this in, in like movies and stuff like Will Ferrell, regardless of if he's trying to be serious or not, like at this point, he has preframed everyone to laugh when he does something. So like, if he does something that looks like it's supposed to be a serious role, you still laugh at it because it's just him. Like, Anchorman, he's not really being funny. He's just acting like an anchorman from the 60s or 70s or whatever, but it's hilarious because it's yeah. Will Ferrell. Like, and that's how they, when he was like on his run, that's actually how they would pitch the movies. He would, it would just be uh, Will Ferrell as a news anchor, Will Ferrell as a race car driver. Will, like, that was it. Like, that was, that's how they pitched the movies. And then they would like script it out. Um, 
but another thing that another study that I heard on this was substitute teachers. So they had a classroom of whatever, 25 kids and, and all the kids had a note on their desk that said, um, today, you know, today you're going to have a substitute teacher. Um, he's this type of, he, you know, he's, he's really nice. Other students have raved about him. Uh, he's going to be teaching chapters 12 and 13. And then at the end of class, you're going to be asked to rate him. And then other half the class had that note that said other, other students have raved about him and think he's super nice. Half the other half of the class got a note that said, um, he's been considered, uh, very unfriendly and mean in the past. So we want to rate and review him. Same, same class, same substitute teacher. Guess how the reviews split up afterwards. Of course. Right. Yeah. So it's all about like that pre-framing and just the way that we look at something and the way that we think about something um, directly, you know, whether it's it's a direct something like that where we're telling them think this way or that way, or if it's something as random as like holding hot or cold uh, coffee, right? It's like these yeah. things all set thing set our decisions and perspective in motion, and I, it's like mind blowing when we when you it's start looking into this insane. Like when you start realizing how powerful your brain is, and and we don't even understand, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to be learning about the brain for ever. Yeah, uh, it's going to be like. Well, I was going to say Jetson's time, but I think Jetson's time was supposed to be now. Um, but it's going to be like we're, we're past our generation and we're going to be having these same conversations about things we never understood. Um, yeah. But on the idea of pre-framing, it's all about setting expectations. So if you have a very structured show, my my show is not necessarily very structured. So mm -hmm. this isn't as important in my show because it's very mm -hmm. conversational. Which is however, at morethancorporate.com for everybody listening. Check her other show out. Um, however, it's very... Um, there are things that you want people to focus on, right? So if you have listeners who expect to hear something and you're talking about something else, they're not paying attention until they hear what they expect to hear. So if you can say, hey, look, this is what we're going to talk about today. Here's kind of the outline of what we're going to talk about today. I know you guys are really excited to hear about this. Bear with me. I promise we're going to get there in order for you to understand this. You're really going to want to pay attention to what this person has to say. Like if you can set that expectation for them, then they're like, oh, she is going to tell me what I want to know. Mm. So if I just trust her, yeah, I'm going to get the information I want. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, to put into a practical tip too, is that the intro of your show, when you first start off your show, grab their attention, you know, with something they're thinking about and then set the expectation of today's going to be an exciting episode because we're talking about X, Y, and Z. And so one, you've used the word, this is going to be an exciting episode, right? Like even if, even if to you, it feels repetitive, like you say it every week or every, you know, however frequently your show is, but like just the, just saying those words, just tips, you know, it's all like, you know, death by a thousand cuts is a negative. I got, what's a, what's a positive phrase that's like death by a thousand cuts, right? But that's what it's like. It's like all these little things all stack up to create a better content experience and a better impact from your communication when you stack it all together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've even heard people say, you know, I, this is going to be an exciting episode. I feel like I say that every single week right. and I mean it every week, but this one's really exciting, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like play around with it, but right. you, um, your audience feeds off of your energy. Yeah. And if you go into it and you're like, all right, so today I have Todd with me. Like, yeah. I don't even know why I'm talking to this guy, right? <laughs> like, they're going to be like, I wonder why that should myself I even all the time. tune in? <laughs> so, and I, I, don't, I don't remember where I heard this, 
I wish I did because it was really good. But somebody was talking about getting your energy across over Zoom. Mm. And just energetically, you lose a percentage of your connection when it goes out into the internet waves. So yeah. just like acting, where when you're on stage, you have to oversell things yeah. in order for the audience to get what you actually intended. It's yeah. the same in your podcast. Mm -hmm. Sometimes like when we do the show, sometimes I feel completely ridiculous because of my energy level. And then I realized that like, in order for my actual energy level to get across, yeah, this has to be the case or else it's going to get lost in translation. Yeah, totally. And that's the importance of, of state management and having those little tips like, you know, doing a two minute breathing exercise that puts you in a place or having, you know, the scent that can anchor you back to that state that state of mind of feeling excited and abundant. Now I feel like I'm like, now I feel like my energy is too low because, <laughs> you know, you start paying attention to something. But um, so that's like the cool pre-framing stuff. So, you know, your your favorite topic or, or technique here is the sleight of mouth. So what what is sleight of, sleight of mouth? I know sleight so of hand is a little bit of magic chicker, trickery. What is sleight of mouth? The same thing with your words. It's your magic and trickery with your words. <laughs> um, I love sleight of mouth. And it is that thing. Have you ever been in a situation where you hear somebody say something and you think, oh, my God, they're going to get slapped? Like, <laughs> they're going to get hit. And instead, the person steps back and is like, you know what? You're right. Thank you. Yeah. You have to have an incredible amount of rapport with somebody in order to pull off sleight of mouth. Otherwise you're just an asshole. So um, <laughs> you have to have that trust factor that what I'm saying to you is completely out of love. And many times when I use sleight of mouth, I preframe it. Yeah. I'm saying this as lovingly as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that I love that you. Like the, where does it fall into like, it has the, the opposite effect, like where people are like, uh, no offense, but and then yeah, it's, oh, that's always God. followed by something Please that's offensive. don't say. So first of all, <laughs> let me tell you something about the word but. The word but negates everything that came before it. So if you say, I'm really excited to be here, but you're not excited to be there. You just told them you don't want to be there, right? So if you're like, no offense, but... And you're like, and the other one that just irks me is with all due respect. Like right, how yeah, much yeah, respect yeah, do you one, yeah. think I'm due? Yeah. <laughs> that you know, Clearly not very much if yeah. you're starting it with all due respect, right? That's a way for people to feel like they're being respectful, feel like they are saying something like, just tell me what you want to say. You're not going to offend me. If you are, that's my problem, not yours. Right. Um, so sleight of mouth, um, I'll give one of my favorite examples, um, my immigration clients, when they tell me this is just filling out forms, I think I can do it myself. <laughs> my response is good for you. There's a lot of my clients in Mexico who thought the same thing. Oh. Like it's, it's that <laughs> awareness of what is, what is the worst case scenario that could possibly happen? Yeah. And how do you make them realize that that is a reality? And then how do you get them to thank you for it? Mm -hmm. And it's really fun when you figure it out. Like <laughs> I, um, it, you know, in my circle, I have so many people who number one are NLP trained and number two are receptive to the techniques that it's almost just our daily conversation at this point. Um, you know, I have a friend of mine who has a ton of um, 
former dogs that all had behavioral issues. And I was, they used to be dogs. What are they now? Well, they are dogs. (laughs) Um, but I was talking to him and he was getting another dog and talking about how he didn't need any help training him because he had all of these dogs that he had trained in the past. Mm. And my response was good thing. You can't take those nine dogs outside. (laughs) Like if you do things the way that you've always done them, things are going to end up the same, right? So yeah. sleight of mouth is that way. Um, I think I I told Todd before we came on that in our circle, we call it the slap and tickle, right? It's going to hurt, but I promise it's because I love you. Um, incredible amount of rapport is required or you might miss the tickle and get slapped. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like um, it, it's being blunt and getting a point across, but then softening the blow in a way that they are well received. But in order to do that, you already mentioned you have to have strong rapport. So how is it, um, especially like when we're creating content, what are what let's talk first. You know, what is rapport? Let's just so we're on the same page. We're not wandering into two different movies. Think we're talking about the same thing. Right. So well, let's get the definition of rapport on the table and then let's talk through that. Yeah. So rapport is your connection with another person. And it's not rapport like conversational rapport. It's rapport like an unconscious connection. Like I know that there, everybody has had an experience where you just meet someone and immediately you guys just feel like you're on the same page. Yeah. You know nothing about them, and there's something that draws you to them. You can create that kind of a connection because our unconscious mind looks for things that um, it relates to, and it's not words. It's not, it, it can be words, but it's not always words. Mm-hmm. It's your your tone of voice. How fast are you talking? Um, if somebody is blinking. Are you blinking with them? If somebody has a certain posture, you have that same posture. Things that allows the other person's unconscious mind to see you as somebody who is like them. And it doesn't even have to be the exact same, right? If if you see that the person that you're talking to, if you can hear a certain cadence in their voice, and so you start tapping your pen, in the same cadence as their voice, you're creating that sameness, Mm. even though it's different. Um, If you see somebody tapping their pen and you start tapping your foot to the same pattern as they're tapping their pen, you're creating that unconscious bond. And does this work? So this is, and this is also uh, what you're describing here is also called mirroring, right? Is Mm -hmm. where you're mirroring the patterns and, and behavior of someone across the table. Does it also work in the opposite way, whereas we are putting out, you know, our brand, our message, our tonality, our stories, and then that attracts people who are naturally on that same wavelength. And then we have rapport based on what what it is that we're talking about. Like in today's episode, I've already made I've made references to the Big Lebowski. And uh, so it's like that is that a way where people listening, if they're a fan of the Big Lebowski, that immediately creates more of a connection and rapport with the people listening to the show. It does. And this is why it is so incredibly important to be authentic and transparent about what you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have ever seen somebody who continues to attract, let's use the dating world. They continue to attract like the worst possible matches ever. Mm 
and they just can't figure out why. And you from the outside can see it so clearly because they're acting the same way as the person they say they don't want to date because mm -hmm. they haven't owned their own behavior yet, right? So if you do this podcast and deep down inside, you have an intention of wanting to get off of a particular message and you hide that intention because you are afraid of what people are going to think about you, or you're afraid of whether people are going to be receptive to it, or you fear rejection or whatever that is that causes you to try to ease your way into your message. By easing your way into your message, you're attracting all the people mm. that don't you don't want to be attracted to. And then when you finally do say, okay, I feel comfortable enough to get my real message across then all the people that you attracted with the message that wasn't yours are like, who the hell is this person and why am I listening to her? Yeah. And then yeah. you got to start all over. Yeah. And so one of the exercises we go through with new clients um, before we build out their campaigns is, you know, we, we identify like their buyer persona, customer avatar type stuff. And then we, you know, we go through questions about like, how is your product or service related to this person, right? Like what problems you solve and that kind of thing. But then regardless of what the business is, we always ask about, what movies do they watch? What TV shows do they watch? What pop culture are they interested in? Because when we're able to weave that into the messaging, when we can use memes that are from TV shows that these people are familiar with, like, although it's not related to what your product or service is, it just builds that, it builds a stronger connection and rapport with people. And so when you're able to interweave and make connections, like in my content for Tresnik Media and Growth Suite, I talk about sports a lot because I'm a big sports fan. And so I know when I'm one, the analogies are easier that way. But two, people who hear sports analogies and it it can it connects with them, they're the type of people that are gonna do, you know, they're gonna do well in my programs because they're gonna understand what we're doing and that and they're attracted to that kind of thing. So well, and, and on that point, because you recently did this with me and you didn't even know it. Like you posted something recently with the guy from Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. remember this? Yep, and you had yep. the flare. Can you tell them about that post before I tell you the reaction sure. it had on me? So uh I was on the phone with uh with Eric from Podmax podcast. Make sure you guys are subscribed to that, podmax.co. And uh we were talking about testing out a new idea. And the last time we did this, it was uh, you know, we sent out this email and he got a ton of replies. He he couldn't keep up with all the responses. And so we're, we're on, on the phone on zoom and I like to just take action on things. So I'm like, yo, I'm like, all right, we're going to send this out right now. Quick, easy, short, simple. Are you, I'm like, you, you cool with that? And he goes, and he just says, you know, you remind me, he's like, this is like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic park, waving the flare. And then out of the woods, T-Rex comes flying. And it's like, you're about to throw the flare out. And then all these opportunities, all these T-Rex opportunities are going to be coming, running out of the woods at us. And so I posted on Facebook, the, I got the picture of Goldblum holding the flare in the movie. And I, and I just told that story. Um, and then, you know, with a call to action on the bottom, like if you want to get email, if you want to learn how to send emails that get T-Rex responses, like, you know, let me know and I'll show you how to do it. Yeah. So um, to show how well this stuff works and that it doesn't even have to be the same. So yeah. I'm scrolling through Facebook and I already kind of like Todd, right? Like, yeah. We get along. <laughs> no, I we have a great friendship. And so yeah. we already have a lot of rapport. And then I see this post. Well, I have an 11 month old German Shepherd whose nickname is Raptor. And uh. she's nicknamed Raptor because when she sits down and stares at you, she's sits in a way that she looks like blue from Jurassic park and you can see her teeth. And so it was like, 
Todd's talking about Jurassic Park. That makes me think about my dog. I want to hire him for marketing, right? It's insane the way that it works. It's yeah. about, and this is why knowing your audience is so freaking important. Yep. And not just knowing their age, knowing what they like, what right. they don't like. What do they listen to? What do they watch? What's their psychographic, right? Their demographic is whatever, because yeah. age doesn't matter right. in anything anymore. Yeah. Um, their psychographic is so important. Yeah. And this is the way that you can market without coming off as salesy because mm -hmm. nothing about your pitch was, Hey, buy my stuff. Right. It was, this is funny. Hey, by the way, if you want to know why this is so funny, because it works, hit me up. Right. Yeah. And, and look, we say it all the time, your vibe attracts your tribe. And so when you put out these vibes, like you said, with the dating world, when you put out the vibes, those are the type of people you're going to attract. So it's like, I mean, Jurassic Park is maybe not the best example because it does have, you know, they have the reboot or whatever, the recent versions. But it's like if you're like 35 to 45 years old and you grew up and Jurassic Park was like one of those epic movies when you were a kid, you're going to resonate with the stuff that I'm putting out. And like that's the tribe that, uh, you know, I have around me in the community that I'm building is like those different types of people that are all attracted to these same type of topics and and the same type of humor and all that kind of stuff and the same values. So all those things um, line up. So. We got one last uh, one last technique here on our list is perceptions and belief change. And so I think this is huge. You know, I think this is super important for people to understand because when you're creating content, you don't want to just do it for content's sake. You don't want to do it just because you want to put information out. It shouldn't just be educational, um, but you want to actually change the belief to have an impact on the people that you're trying to serve, right? Because you want to get them from point A to point B. You want to help them have a positive transformation. And in order to do that, like you said before, the words, you know, if you do the same thing, you're going to get the same results. You know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so part of your job, if you want to have an impact on your audience is to have them change their beliefs so they change their behaviors so that they can change their life in a positive way. And so talk to us about perceptions and belief change here. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about it before and I go in depth in it in other situations. We don't have time, nor is this the place to do it, but our perceptions are built our entire lives. We are, um, our values are made, what we think is possible in the world is made. And so to kind of drive this home, just think of a time that you've been in a situation where you always thought that something was the way the world is. And then you see somebody like, let's look at like flying, right? Like there was a point in time where no, no, nobody thought you could fly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden these two brothers get an airplane in, in the ground or in the air. And now everybody knows you can fly, right? There's something that happened that caused the world to change its perception of what was physically possible. That's a huge example for me. Um, I didn't know podcasting was a way of life. I didn't know you could make money doing this. I didn't know coaching was a thing. Mm -hmm. And I went to my first personal development conference. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing these people making money doing this thing. And it expanded my perception of what's possible. Yeah. So we have our beliefs, we have our perception of the world. And if we only hang out with our people, if we only hang out with people who are like us, if we only listen to things that fit our model of the world, then we stay there forever. Mm -hmm. This is why networking is so powerful. This is why networking events are powerful. This is why um, personal development, reading, all this stuff is powerful because you learn things that you didn't know were possible before that make you go, huh? And then your perception's never the same. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's like, uh, I've heard this as, you know, the the 
was it the five minute mile, the four minute mile, right? Like it mm -hmm. used to be people, the, the scientists used to believe that if a human ran faster than a five minute mile, their heart would explode. And then Roger Bannister did it in like, I forget the twenties or thirties or whatever it was. And then after no one had ever done it before. And then after he did it, like people started doing it all the time because they were like, Oh great. My, my heart's not going to explode. Yeah, It is possible. You know, and I, I look at the current NBA. I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but like people shoot three pointers now. Like Steph Curry has completely changed the perception of three pointers because yes. this guy can shoot like set shot. Like he, he like part of the play is he shoots a, sh a three pointer from half court. Like he shoots ridiculous shots that five years ago, anybody in the league shoots those. You're like, oh, my God, style, you're cr like, you know, like get this guy off my team. He's got terrible shot selection. And now mm -hmm. it's like every team has at least one guy who can make threes consistently from the logo. And the whole, like now people, that's where they train for. Now what that means for like the, you know, child development in their games. I don't know the in depth about that, but the current state of the NBA is people shoot these long threes because the perception, like there was that breakthrough, like nobody could fly before. Now everybody flies. Nobody could run a five minute mile. Now people do. Nobody should be sh shooting three pointers from the logo. Now people are jacking up those shots all the time. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's two things that are coming to my mind. The first one is how many times I know I've been guilty of this. Have you had an idea and then you're like, Oh, that's not possible. That's stupid. Mm. And then maybe a year, maybe two years later, somebody does the thing that you didn't do yeah. and you could have been that person. Yeah. But you were like, well, I can't worse, do that. That's stupid. What's worse without diving too deep into, you know, self-development limiting beliefs is that most of the time, we don't use those words, this is a stupid idea. We come up with a different excuse that we think is real. Yeah. And that's why we don't pursue it or that's why we stop something. Yep. And then it, and then 2 years later somebody else, you know, comes out with with, you know, whatever the idea was. Yeah. So as we start to wrap up, because we could talk about this all day, <laughs> you and I, um, I do want to talk about my um, least favorite meme. And what's really interesting is I have shared this over and over again in the past. Mm -hmm. And then I learned what I learned and realized that it's so dangerous and so horrible. And it's the, the meme that's out there that says, you know, if you spend a thousand dollars on an iPhone, but you won't spend a thousand dollars on a personal development. And then it goes down your list of whatever. And then it basically says there's something wrong with you, right? Yeah. Like if you choose this instead of this, then, then mm -hmm. you're an awful person, like figure yeah. your shit out. And, um, the reality is it's not that this person doesn't value growth. It's that nobody has shown them that, the thousand dollars is valuable in this context, mm -hmm. you know, and this is where we as podcasters have an immense amount of opportunity to help people understand what is possible because you can take that person instead of beating that person down and saying, well, you just must not want to live a good life then because you right. won't spend a thousand dollars to go to this podcast. So enjoy your tea, enjoy your, you know, hut, whatever, right. whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, um, Instead of doing that, we could plant the seeds that could eventually grow into this expanding perception and yeah. tell them how going to personal development conferences had changed our perception. Yeah. Tell them how how valuable this was for us. Plant those seeds to expand that perception. You know, everybody's not ready to hear your message right now, but they may be later. So never underestimate the power of planting seeds. Yeah. And just know that just because somebody doesn't value what you value doesn't make them less committed to personal growth. It mm -hmm. means that their perception of the world is different than yours. Yeah. And you need to step into, they're not capable of stepping into your perception of the world.
You have to step into theirs and, and guide them, them where you want them to exactly. go. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes it's not enough for us to educate and putting in like, you know, in, in shows and in this, we're, you know, we're using personal development as an example, because you do have a great mastermind coming up. Um, if you guys are interested in the stuff that we're talking about here today, and you want to dive into this stuff, that's what Amber does more than corporate.com to check that out, sign up, contact her, um, to get involved with that stuff. But sometimes, you know, the, there's this, an old saying, it's like the prophet is not respected in their own, in their own town. And it's like, when you try to, you know, uh, communicate to your, to your partner or your kids or whatever, or maybe it's even your audience. But when you bring in a guest and you tell stories, like it's easy to see somebody at the top of the mountain and say, Oh, well, that's easy for you. Right. Because you're there, but it's like, well, I had to climb this mountain too. So I was where you're at, but sometimes it's hard for them to believe. So having a believable message in your communication is also key. And, and being able to bring on and spotlight existing stories of people that are more relatable, more believable is a way to change those perceptions, show them what's possible and go from, you know, reach over to their current state of mind and their current perception and guide them through by highlighting, you know, other people who have done it, whether they're your own clients or other people. But that's exactly what we're going to be talking about next week with how can you use these communication techniques in when you're interviewing people on your podcast so that you are having a great show and a great episode and putting out great content with a guest who you're interviewing. So next week, we're going to go through what type of techniques can you use to make sure you are telling those great stories with someone else. And Amber's going to break all that stuff down. So make sure you guys are subscribed on, uh, on airbrands.com slash show. And if you got value from today's episode, we would love it if you shared it with someone. If you gave us a rating or review, make sure you're subscribed, please, on airbrands.com slash show. And we will catch you next week. You are now tuned in to the On